You rocked it, man. We love you. All right, we're going to open up to Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. We left Paul and Silas in jail last week in the slammer because they were thrown in jail on the second missionary journey. Why? Well, because they helped the demon-possessed woman get free from being possessed. She represented a false god. They showed that to be a farce, and they got thrown in the slammer because of it. So just to get our bearings here, we're in Philippi. It's uh, part two, the jailer. And here is a map. Can you put that map up there? Here's the, se- I got to keep looking this way. The second missionary journey. The second missionary journey, they, they took off from Jerusalem, went through Paul's hometown, and then went back through the first missionary journey cities. Remember last week, if, if you are right now waiting on the Lord and you're not happy about it, go back and watch last week's sermon because they got 400 miles and no before they finally got the Macedonian call and saw where God was leading them. Now they're in Philippi, which is the upper left in Macedonia, and they were following God's will, and it landed them right in jail. So, so there they are. Here's a picture of a Roman jail. This is like an actual Roman jail from, from back in the day. This is a bit of a different uh, layout because there's, there's like one hole in the ceiling for this jail, but the one that Paul and Silas are in actually has a, a, like a a gate of you know a door but you know imagine being thrown in one of those at you know total darkness at night you're chained to the ground who knows what critters are going around maybe you don't like rodents maybe you don't like insects but that's where following God got them so we left them in jail last week and we're going to find out today uh, all about faith in the darkness faith in the darkness let's pray and then we will get into God's word together Father, thank you for the book of Acts. Our time in Acts has shown your triumph over the grave, that your spirit is working through your people, through your church, through your word. But Jesus, you are alive. And from city to city, one town after another, the power of the gospel showed up. The apostles could not determine the reaction they would get but they faithfully followed you. So today I pray that you would show us what it means to follow you in the darkness. Through Paul and Silas and their bold witness and your powerful presence with them, show us what it means to stay faithful when the lights go out. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, Acts 16, verse 22 says this. The crowd joined, this is a recap, the crowd joined in attacking them, the magistrates tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. About midnight, midnight in a Roman jail, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You can write this down, number one. What does faith look like in the darkness? It's the question the text answers. It's what we see modeled by the disciples here. What does faith look like in the darkness 
Well, how did they get here? They did what God said. They went where God told them. This wasn't their fault. They freed a demon-possessed woman who represented a false god, Apollo, who was owned by men who made money exploiting her. And what thanks did they get? They're beaten all over their bodies. Imagine bruises head to toe, bloody, no medical care, chained to some filthy, smelly, dark dungeon. That's the thanks they got. They did everything right, and everything was going wrong right now. How did they respond? And just for a moment, ask yourself, what season of faith are you in right now? Sometimes it's summer, life is good, things are going well. Beware, there are temptations in summer. Remember, it was the palace that took David down. What Goliath couldn't do, the sunshine in the palace did. David wasn't happy. Are you in fall? Has the weather changed? Are things getting a little harder? Are you in winter? Is it, is it dark? Is it cold? Is it miserable? Sometimes you're in spring. You've turned a corner. You're feeling good. You don't want to go back to where you just were. It's always important to locate where you are with God. And right now, they are in the darkness. And they're in the darkness because they did the right thing. Maybe you're there right now. You feel like you've done things right but it's dark. How are you responding? How are you responding in the darkness? You can write this down. Pray at midnight. This is what's modeled for us. Pray at midnight. Are you praying? Are you praying? So it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Are you praying? They were praying. Praying to be released. They knew the apostles had been set free. They knew Peter was set free. They knew, they knew James was put to death. There's no guarantee they're getting out of this alive. So they were praying, praying. Peter was released because the church was praying. So when it's dark, when you can't see what's coming, and this metaphor of darkness can take on so many different forms in your life. You can't see what's coming. You feel like God's nowhere to be found. You feel all alone. Emotionally, the word midnight is something that you know when you hear it. Because you've been there, or you'll be there soon. But it's a place where you're low, you're helpless, you're powerless, you can't see. You're, you don't have control over your situation. There are others who are thrusting you there. The question, though, is, are you praying? Are you praying the moment you wake up before your, heat, your feet hit the floor? Are you praying while you're driving with a knot in your stomach? Are you praying before you eat, if you can eat? Are you praying before you go to bed? And then when you can't sleep, are you talking to God throughout the night? Are you praying? If you're not praying, you're holding your breath and you're turning blue, and you're going to exhaust yourself. You have to pray. A lot of people don't know how to pray today. Did you see that viral clip from Jeopardy? Where are my Jeopardy people? Raise your hand if you're a Jeopardy person. Smartest people on the planet! And did you see the viral clip? Remember? what? All three Jeopardy people got a question. You know, what comes next? Our Father who art in heaven. You see the viral clip? None of them knew the next word. They're all like this. Uh -uh. Hallowed. 
hallowed be thy name. Moving on. They don't even know the Lord's Prayer. People don't know how to pray. The world, of course, doesn't know how to pray, but Christians often don't know how to pray either. It's just talking to God. He's the Father. You don't have to change your voice and sound like Billy Graham. You just talk to God. You just pour out your heart to him. Doesn't matter what's in there. Doesn't matter what's in there. You just walk it right up to him and you pour it all out. Pour it all out. If you've got young kids, do you know what it looks like when they pour something all out all over the floor? That's prayer. Next time you see that, be like, that's what I'm going to do with my Heavenly Father. What a, and there's nasty stuff in there. Doubt, fear, shame. You pour it all out. Are you pouring your heart out to God? He loves you. He listens to you. Sometimes at the door, when I'm saying goodbye to people on Sunday, they'll tell me their problem. And I'll say, did you come up front for prayer? Well, no. I said, get up there right now. Well, I didn't want to bother anybody. You need prayer. I turn them away and send them up here for prayer. Sometimes we're too embarrassed to admit we have problems. And ultimately, when you're in the darkness, when you're at midnight, you lose your independence and you have to be okay with that. You can't get through this alone. You have to involve other people. You have to be the burden. That's what prayer is all about. You have to get low. The book of Philippians, of course, was written later by Paul to this church. This would come later. But in Philippians 4, 6-7, we have one of the most treasured verses in Scripture. Do not be anxious about, what does it say? Man, it'd be nice if we just got five things. You know what I mean? Like, pick five and don't be anxious about anything else. <laughs> don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That was written from a jail. Prison epistle. Written from a prison by the Apostle Paul to these people later. Hey, how is your prayer life at midnight? Are you praying? Are you talking to God? Are you pouring your heart out? Or are you holding your breath and turning blue? Now write this down next. Praise in the prison. They didn't just pray. They praised. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Singing. Sometimes I catch myself. My prayers are going pretty well, but I'm not praising. I just kind of have this talk, a prayer journal maybe. I lay all my burdens out there, and then I'm going about my day, but I'm not singing with joy in my heart. And I can, I can tell. My spirit is not full of joy because I'm not singing to the Lord. Oh, I'm talking to Him a lot, but I'm not singing much. That reveals a worship problem. So how are you doing at praising in the prison? It says that they were singing a hymn. Now, probably an Old Testament hymn. They, they had Christian hymns that show up in the New Testament, poems, songs, statements of faith that are in the New Testament, likely they were singing the songs they were raised on. And the book of Psalms was the hymn book of the Old Testament. The Psalms were actually set to music, most of them written by David. So those, these are likely what they're singing in this jail. We don't know what they were singing, but I'd like to think maybe it was Psalm 142 because it was written by David. Psalm 142 was written by David when he was hiding in a cave. And he felt like he was in a jail. It's called a prayer, but it's set, it's called a masculine, which is likely a musical term. So it's likely a sad song and a prayer. 
Maybe they were singing this. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Verse 6, attend to my cry for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. I don't know what the song sounded like and I won't sing it for you. Maybe that's what they were singing. Maybe that's what they were singing. Hey, are you praising in the prison? When you feel trapped, rejected, beat up, do you sing? Dragged down, thrown aside, stuck in place, can't escape, can't move forward, can't see anything, totally defeated, treated so shamelessly that you can't believe the things people said or did to throw you down. Do you sing? Are you singing? Philippians 4.4 says this. We'll put it on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Written from a jail to these people. Hey, when life is hard, sing louder. Be here, sing louder. Sometimes when people are bottoming out in life, I'll, I'll say, okay, it seems to me like you weren't ready for this. You went from 8 to 80. Did you call or text a friend? No. Do you have a playlist where you're rocking out your Christian jam? No. So you're just in freak out mode with your hair on fire? Yes. All right. Sometimes people have not prepared in advance for the bottom, for the midnight, and they totally lose it. And then they make life-altering, threatening decisions because they weren't ready for it. And I would just say you have to know yourself. How do you do when you bottom out? Are you ready for that? Have you prepared for that? And one key indicator is, are you singing? Are you singing? Are you singing in the car, in the kitchen? Are you singing to God? Because if that shuts off, you're going to have major problems at midnight. Praise in the prison. Pray at midnight. And then write this down. Publicly express your confidence in God. Publicly express your confidence in God. They weren't mumbling. They weren't murmuring. They were belting it out. It says they were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. I love this. The other prisoners are just in their own cells for whatever nonsense they did. And they're getting in the Bible, which is really funny. <laughs> they didn't know it. And, and they're listening and they're hearing these Jewish prisoners sing to God. They were hearing it. So this is a public testimony expression of confidence in God. They are modeling for us what faith looks like, sounds like, feels like in the darkness. Others were listening. When you hit bottom, when you go through the darkness, you're going to get tempted to get alone and get quiet, and that's the biggest mistake you can make. I'm just going to stay all by myself. I won't even get out of bed. I'm just going to be all alone. I'm not going to talk to anybody, not even God. Yeah, that, that's not going to end well. I don't want to talk about it. That's not an option. If you have Christian friends who are at the bottom, who are at midnight, you've got to get them out of their comfort zone. Talk to me. I don't want to. You have to express your faith publicly. 
You can do it through worship. You can do it through prayer. But you have to find ways to tell other people that you have confidence in God before, during, and after the trial. But sometimes people get real quiet. Publicly express your confidence in God. I always invite people to witness to others when they're going through hardship. Why? Well, first of all, because people generally are are pretty selfish and when someone else is going through a trial they like to watch like a gaper's delay oh did you hear what happened to debbie oh guess what happened to her they talk about you when you're suffering because they're mean all right we all know that but you do it too let's face it all right when people are suffering we talk about them go with it they're watching you in the furnace and your enemies are watching you even more closely aren't they because oh they can't wait for you to slip up let them watch. Let them tune in to your life channel. And what are they going to see? And what are they going to hear? Not bitterness, not anger, not self-pity. Faith in your holy God. And you don't have to gloss it over. I, I tell people, you don't have to like share your business with the world, but tell people the truth about your trial. Oh, everything's fine, nothing. What did the doctor say? Nothing. Why are you not telling people what God is walking you through? This is a perfect chance. Sometimes when people get bad news, they're going to go through a long medical trial. I'll say, hey, you got to get a Caring Bridge page. Go, I don't want to be one of those people who's always talking about their problems. Be one of those people. And tell them short what's going on, and then tell them how your faith in God is still intact. And they get so many comments, so many people who would never listen to their faith, like over coffee. They're watching this unfold every day because they're willing to be public. Be honest about the reality of your suffering, how it's making you feel, your fears and your doubts. Surrender the outcome to God and express great faith every day. No matter how this turns out, I have great faith in my holy God. That's how Christians behave at midnight. And God will respond in mighty awesome ways if you have faith at midnight. Pray, praise, publicly express your confidence in God that's what faith looks like at midnight. About midnight, reading on, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced, along with his entire household, that he had believed in God." Wow, that's amazing. How is this going to end? 
This is incredible. Okay, here's the question the text answers. What must we do to be saved? You can write that down. Question one was, what does faith look like in the darkness? Question two is, what must we do to be saved? Very evangelistic point because the jailer comes into view. Very intriguing jailbreak. Luke mentions two jailbreaks before this. The apostles were set free, and God told them, go into the courts in, of the temple and start declaring this good news again. He threw them right in harm's way. They got out of jail. They went to the temple. They started telling people the good news. They were immediately hauled into court again. Uh, James and Peter were thrown in jail. James was killed. Peter was miraculously set free, and he went to another place, and the guards were killed for letting them go. Those are the two jailbreaks that happened before this. This is an intriguing jailbreak. Why? Well, first of all, because the jail was broken, and the prison doors were open, and the shackles were busted, and nobody escaped. Can you imagine that? Chicago Sun-Times headline, Cook County suffered a devastating earthquake. Every jail door was open and every shackle was unloosed and no one escaped. Uh, would that happen? No, would not happen. They were all still there. We don't know why, but it's very unusual. Something kept them there. Some people try and figure it out. We don't exactly know what. They didn't do anything wrong. So if they ran, if the apostles ran, they would get in trouble. But why did the other prisoners not run? There has to be some reason that they all stayed put. I think the most likely explanation is that the apostles knew they had to stay put. We know now why they had to stay put, whether they knew it or not. And it's because the jailer had an appointment with God. That's why they stayed put. So very intriguing jailbreak. There's no angel mentioned. This was a natural occurrence, an earthquake, but it was very supernatural. An earthquake doesn't open every jail door and break every handcuff. That's not what earthquakes do. They're not that bright. Okay, they just shake everything and things fall over. So this is meant to be a supernatural act, and everyone there, including the jailer, is going to see this wasn't just some random anti-jail earthquake, right? This was a supernatural act of God. Only God can do this. Everyone in the text knows this. Therefore, the jailer rushes in. And I, I, sometimes I imagine who's playing the part of these characters in my mind. So the jailer comes in. Now, I hope you're not imagining this jailer looking like Barney Fife, okay? Like, this is, this is ancient Rome, my friends. Or maybe for those of you who are more modern, you don't even know who Barney Fife is, Paul Blart. Okay, this isn't like some security guard who's going to walk in with his little keys, okay? Likely a formal soldier. The city was full of veterans, and we don't, tough dude, okay? Tough, we've got a picture here of, of a Roman soldier, I believe. Can we put that up on the screen if we have that? All right, this is the kind of person who would be put in charge of the prison, okay? So imagine, like, the rock coming in. That, that's the kind of person you're talking about here. He has seen things... You can't put anything past him. He's tough as nails. He's going to protect his own life because he knows he's a dead man if these prisoners get away. So things don't make sense. He knows because all the jail cells are open, he knows that he is now the one on death row. If a prisoner escapes, you're dead. That's it. They don't care the story. You're gone. He draws his sword because he's just going to save them the trouble and take himself out. This man is minutes 
from eternity. Minutes. Can you imagine the stakes in the darkness there? What, what did it feel like to be the apostles when an earthquake shook the whole prison? They probably thought they were going to die. Then the cell was open and their shackles were off and they realized they were going to live. Then the jailer woke up. He thought he was going to die. This is a roller coaster. It is often how it feels at midnight. You don't know how it's going to end. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, verse 27, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners, prisoners had escaped. Now, I mean, one way this could have ended is Paul could have just bit his lip. I mean, that guy goes down, you just walk out, go free. It's a bit like David when he saw Saul in the cave and could have taken his enemy out, right? But Paul wouldn't have even need to swing the sword. He could just stop, wait till he's done, and then we're going to get out of here. What did he do? Stop! No, no, no! Don't do it! We're all here! Now, this is where it should have read. Then he put them back all in the handcuffs, and they, you know, somehow zip-tied the jail cells closed again, and that's that, right? Uh-uh! Surprise! Do not harm yourself! We're all here! Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in. Can't believe what he sees. Trembling with fear. I love this. He fell down before Paul and Silas. He is now the shaken one. He's now the dead man. He's now the one flat on his face before the apostles. He knows, first of all, on earth he's a dead man because these prisoners should have gotten out. But he also knows, he perceives very easily that he's in trouble in heaven because God did this. He knows right away God did this. So, so he falls down on his face. Then he brought them outside and says, Sirs, I love this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is what a dead man asks. What must I do to be saved? He knows that he's in the way of God. Write this down. Respond to the wake-up call. Respond to the wake-up call. This jailer shows us in the darkness that if you're not right with God, you have to respond to the wake-up call. He's now trembling with fear. God used this earthquake and this jailbreak to drive him to his very end. He was seconds away from the next life. I met with a man this past week who came face to face with his own mortality. He, his body had started to shut down two weeks ago, brought him to the hospital. He uh, coded several times. You know what that means? You're dead and they have to bring you back. So he coded several times. And they had him all up on tubes and everything. They didn't even know if he was going to be awake. But I walked in and I said, hey, I'm Pastor Ryan. His brother was there from your brother's church. He looked right at me like a laser beam. And I've seen this happen before where people are likely at the end of their life and God just gets full attention out of them. And I said, hey, you're out of time. You need to make peace with God right now because you might not make it through this night. I'm going to share a prayer with you. And you need to give your life to Christ because this is probably your last chance to do it. And he goes like this. Okay, some people are on the scenic road to Christ and that road is going to end. And so I prayed with him and he had tears running down his eyes. You don't know with the medicine, you don't know with the tubes, you don't, he can't talk. You'd like to think it's getting through, but we didn't quite know. Well, praise God, he improved. And so over several days, he started to talk again. And at first, he didn't remember anything. And then he started remembering things. 
And then he said, I want that pastor to come in. And so this past week I came in, and he goes, you hit me right through the heart. I said, you prayed and you meant it, right? And he said, yeah. I said, you coded three times. Hold on, hold on, no. I said, you, you coded three times. And he goes, he had four bonus lives. God saved him. God saved him. God saved him. Now look, that guy knew that he was an inch away from eternity. You might be an inch away from eternity and you might not even know it. You can go like that. A lot of people don't get that wake-up call. If you have had a wake-up call, it's time to respond to the wake-up call. If God has used something in your life recently to drive you to face your own mortality, you have to respond to the wake-up call. You can't keep hitting snooze. You heard about the lost sub this past week, right? People going down to visit the Titanic wreckage. A lot of people had a lot of opinions on it. It's a tragedy, and I mourn the loss of people who are made in God's image. But it was also filled with folly and fraught with pride, and it was doomed to fail. There were many wake-up calls. we got some pictures here of this sub that went down. Many wake-up calls, people who worked for the company saying it didn't pass any test to go that low. He's buying budget parts. Here's the next picture. Interviews with the CEO who's on board, bragging about cutting costs, talking about getting parts from Camper World, using a video game controller. He was very haughty as he was going down to visit the wreckage of the unsinkable ship. What a fool. What a tremendous fool. And other people were put in harm's way, and they signed a waiver that said this ship has not been tested to go to this depth. Um, everyone ignored the wake-up call. Everyone ignored the wake-up call. Then they needed to be rescued. Then time ran out, and they were doomed. Very quickly they went. Hey, do you realize that the Bible says, <clears throat> spiritually speaking, listen to the word, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. What must I do to be saved? You're on that sub. You're floating in the depths. You're a second away from total collapse life crumpling in on you, you crossing over into the next life, and then you have no chance of ever being saved again. Do you realize your peril? Do you realize the folly of ignoring the wake-up call? Well, this jailer got it right. He easily could have been killed. God could have allowed him to be killed. God allowed the jailers who put Peter and James in prison to be killed. He easily could have been killed, and he knew it. Write this down. Listen to the gospel and believe. Listen to the gospel and believe. The jailer listened. The jailer listened. So it says here in verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night. This is beautiful. He washed their wounds with water, and then he was baptized at once. So he washed away the blood from the wounds, and then they washed away all of his sins. What a beautiful picture of welcoming this guy into the faith. They could have been like, no, we're not telling you the gospel. You're a part of the problem, and your friends beat us up. Get out of here, you know. Go and die. They welcomed him into the faith. How awesome is the love of God expressed in this story. Then he brought them up into his house. Set for, this all happened at 2 a.m.? 
set food before this? Get the food out. What's in the fridge? We don't even have a fridge. I don't know. We need some food. We've got guests, and they're filled with joy. Now he's full of joy at midnight because he didn't know he was a dead man, and now his whole house is saved, and they believed in God. How awesome is that? Hey, have you listened to the gospel? Have you believed? The gospel according to Paul in the book of Acts and according to all scripture is Jesus came into this world. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. He was thrown in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. He now rules heaven. He's the only one who can wash away your sins and gain you entrance into his eternal kingdom. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's the gospel, friends. Listen to the gospel and believe. Who goes to heaven? They didn't give them a checklist of 15 things to do. They said, believe in Jesus, because Jesus did it all. You don't get to heaven through your good works. You get to heaven through Christ's work at the cross. Are you a saved person? What must I do to be saved? Too often people say, I'm a good person. I'm a religious person. The Bible says you're a dead person. Okay, you're a dead person. It's not even like you're trapped in that sub. It's like the sub already went boom. That's how gone you are spiritually. And he can save you from that, from death. What must we do to be saved? Listen to the gospel and believe. Write this down. Profess your faith in Christ Jesus. Profess your faith in Christ Jesus. The jailer was baptized in the middle of the night. Full of fear, full of joy. Have you publicly professed your faith in Christ Jesus? So Camp Harvest happened this past week. We told you that. The students were there. We've got, uh, let's show the pictures first. Some pictures from Camp Harvest. Kids were up there. Bible was ministered to them. Uh, Pastor Stephen, maybe you didn't know this about him, but he loves hip-hop. Did you know that? So here's a video of Pastor Stephen leading the kids in some Christian hip-hop. Check this out. So cool. So cool. (laughs) So here's an awesome God story tied into Camp Harvest. Camp Harvest should have never happened. Uh, It was an old vacation property. Someone was uh, getting it turned into a camp many years ago. And the citizens of this town, Croton, gathered together because they didn't want kids on their lake. Grumpy old men, right? They wanted a fish in peace. So they tried to block it. And there was one guy in particular who was leading the charge. They had all these meetings, all these things, standing in the way of a Christian camp coming to this lake. Well, finally, the leader of this uh, local opposition group, the leader of it all, got saved and became a Christian. That ruined their plans. And this guy, uh, back then, I don't have a copy of it, but he filmed a testimony video because he, he wanted the whole church to know, you know, this mega church, this whole church to know what he was doing was wrong. So he filmed the video and he said he was sorry. And he told about when he got saved, And he realized immediately what he was doing. He was standing in the way of a Christian camp and allowing teenagers to hear about God. He said, I got low. I got low. And I asked God to forgive me. I got low. He still lives on the lake and he paddle boards past the camp and he prays for the kids every day. Got out of the way. Christian camp happened. Our teenagers are impacted because God saved this guy who was in the way of the gospel and changed his heart. It's exactly like this jailer. It's an awesome story. 
He professed his faith in Christ Jesus. You should profess your faith in Christ Jesus. And remember, the stakes are eternal. Philippians 4.3, Paul makes it clear when he writes to his friends in the city, I ask you, my true companion, help these women who've labored side by side. Some of them weren't getting along with me and the gospel together with Clement. And get this, the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Hey, is your name in the book of life? It is or it isn't. Have you trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord? Today can be your day. Number one, what does faith look like in the darkness? Pray, praise, publicly express your confidence in God. Number two, you're in the darkness. You're not even a Christian. What must I do to be saved? Respond to the wake-up call. Listen to the gospel and believe. Profess your faith in Christ Jesus. And number three, how should we respond to persecution? It's a closing point. It'll be a little shorter than the rest. But there's some closing comments here about how this controversy played out. How should we respond to persecution? We see again in the text the example that they set for us. So verse 35, When it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men, who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they could get in. Now they're in big trouble. They, they could get in huge trouble because you cannot beat a Roman citizen without a trial. So now they're on the hook for legal problems. It's another situation where Paul and Silas could have turned it all around and gotten this, this guy. They could have let the jailer die, and they could have let these guys get, you know, taken off their post or worse because they beat Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them, asked them, will, will, you, will you please move along? Please leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. When they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and they departed. They left on their own time. They acted as free men. Sure, we'll go, but we'll be back. Uh, thank you. You guys blew it. But, uh, and they moved on. How should we respond to persecution? This was clearly wrong, and they expected these people to make it right. It could have set a bad precedent if the Christians in the city just allowed laws to be broken and they didn't push back. This could have set a, 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 bit, a, a big precedent here. So they decided to go through these legal channels. You can write this down. Here's what we see. Endure suffering in a godly manner. Endure suffering in a godly manner. Everything about this was wrong. The apostles did not deserve to get beaten or thrown in jail. They did deserve a fair trial. They didn't get it. So endure suffering in a godly manner. No repaying evil for evil. No taking matters into your own hands. No violence. No shouting matches. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Paul saved his jailer's life and he became a brother in the faith. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Remember, there's no guarantee that you will be released. This is context here. So they were freed. They were apologized to. But in other situations, James was killed and most of the New Testament that Paul wrote was written from jail where he was not let go. So sometimes you're not going to get out this quickly. This is a very fast turnaround time. So 
whether you are out by dawn or you spend years in this prison, in this darkness, you have to endure suffering in a godly manner. Surrender it to God and trust Him. You will be heard and helped and eventually freed in one way or another from all suffering. God promises that to you. And Philippians 3.18 is clear. We'll put this up on the screen. Many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. You are going to suffer for your faith. So endure suffering in a godly manner. Jot this down. They also show us, tell the truth through a gracious process. Tell the truth through a gracious process. They had formal legal channels and they used them. They appealed to them. And Christians are encouraged to be law-abiding citizens who are orderly. So when that opportunity presents itself, you should work it. Hey, they were wrong. What they did was illegal. They're in big trouble. This is very effective. They were sober-minded. They were focused. They were informed. Sometimes when I talk to Christians who are kind of in trouble for their faith or for whatever, whether it's a teacher at school and there's some expectation on them, um, or students who are trying to get the gospel out of their high school, we will work through legal channels, and it's often effective. Um, so we did a rally at Glenbard South High School many years ago, and like 250 kids came out, like 25 kids got saved. It was amazing. And then the parents stormed the board meeting. Why are you teaching religion in this school? They shut down the Christian club. And so attorney got involved, called the school district. Hey, you can't do that. They were exercising their right as students. It took a year, but eventually the school had to apologize and say, you can have your Christian club, Right? They could, so the kids could have picketed and walked out. and They worked the channels. They appealed to their rights, and it was all good. So this is a really good model for us. Really good model for us. Maybe they apologize, maybe they don't. In this case, they apologized, which was really awesome. And maybe in your situation, you're going to be wronged, and they won't say sorry. People can be really stubborn for a really long time. Even if they know what they did was wrong and it hurt you, they'll bite their lip and they will never say sorry. That's fine. Leave it to God. Don't avenge yourself. The Bible says, leave it to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will hound them <clears throat> until they admit what they did was wrong. So tell the truth through a gracious process. You don't have to be quiet about sin. You don't have to be quiet about something that's wrong. You should tell the truth. Maybe they apologize. Maybe they don't. Maybe they still ridicule you and reject you and make fun of you and single you out and silence you. Endure it in a godly manner and God will be glorified. And then finally, never stop participating in Christian community. Never stop participating in Christian community. They went back to the church. They talked to Lydia. The church gathered them and the church came and like, get out of here. You're going to get us in trouble. Christian community continued and that is a beautiful thing. The church could have put distance between them and Paul to, you know, protect themselves. Paul could have said, I'm out of here. This town is cursed. I'll never be back again. It, they never stopped participating in Christian community. So there was hardship, persecution to come. Paul set a great example for them. They learned to follow this example, and we have to learn to follow their example too. Well, what a two weeks it's been in Philippi. Lydia got saved, a slave woman got saved, the jailer got saved, uh, the owners and the magistrates didn't. You can't control the response. You have to never stop participating in Christian community, and that can include mission as well. Well, we're going to close in prayer here. We've heard so much today. And I'm sure there are some people here today 
who really identify with the midnight part of the sermon. You're a Christian, and you're really struggling in the dark. And I want to pray for you in a moment. Uh, but other people are here, and you've had a wake-up call recently, whether you're watching online or you're here in person. You've had a wake-up call recently, and maybe you know God is saying, it's time for you to surrender your life to me now. No more games. Wherever you're at, let's close in prayer right now. Father, first, I know there are some here today, maybe an earthquake didn't literally shake their bed last night. Uh, maybe they didn't realize that they were going to be dead by morning because of something at their job that happened. That's the jailer. But they know you have given them a wake-up call. Maybe they lost a loved one or they've heard something about their own medical wellness or whatever it is, you have given them a wake-up call. And you are calling them out. It says in Scripture, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Father, I pray that you would help people here today who have not yet fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ in their own heart right now to pray this, to pray, Father, I believe. Forgive my delay. I believe in Jesus as the Savior of all and I trust him to save me forever. Lord, I pray that you would hear that prayer of faith, wash away all their sins, just as the jailer's sins were all washed away. He was a new man. I pray that you would forgive them and give them new life. There could be some in this room today who don't know that they are just inches away from slipping off into that next life. They don't even know it. But you've been getting their attention. You're calling them unto salvation to prepare a place for them in glory. Lord, stretch down your hand and save through faith in Jesus Christ today. And I think of those who have already walked with you for such a long time. Maybe it's dark. They're afraid. They feel like they're powerless to get out of the trial they're in. Maybe what's happened to them is very wrong. Whatever it is that's driving to them to that midnight experience, I pray that they would have great faith. Great faith. May they pray and pour their hearts out to you. May they invite others to pray with them and for them. May they never cease talking to you about this. May they believe great things and ask for you to deliver them, but also surrender their souls to endure as long as you see fit. Lord, I pray that you would help those who are in the darkness to trust you, to sing to you. I pray that they would sing louder this week. While they wait, I pray that they would sing to you with all their hearts and let the world around us see that we believe there is a holy God in heaven who walks us through the valley and will lead us on into glory forever. Jesus, we love you. And we pray that you would help us, O oh Lord, to follow you no matter what persecution or hardship comes. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name.